At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombard here at the World Messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leaders Show. Today, you are for absolute treat, where your passion will be unleashed through art, through different creative expression and forms, and also through amazing, tremendous wisdom. My guest, it's beautiful artist, her art, it's being featured right now in Parliament House in India. She's having phenomenal exhibit, which I had a privilege and opportunity to see firsthand in Chicago, in South Asia Gallery, but also being exhibited, spoke at in so many different countries, places, and had an opportunity to really share her wisdom raised and born in India, showing what it means to be this powerful, creative woman that is also phenomenal designer, poet, historian, independent creator, and creator. Without further ado, I cannot wait also to introduce you to author that she can tell us all about her arts, crafts, and design, Shelly Jyoti. Shelly, welcome to Legacy Leader Show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Likewise, Shelly, I am deeply touched by your warmth in your work, in your conversations, in your delivery, and how heart-centered you are, but also with treaded with so much wisdom knowledge. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to say it's so wonderful to see women like yourself empowering other women, but also empowering people, not only in India, but other parts of the world. Do you mind sharing? Um, can you please give us a little bit of insight of your upbringing and how did you start with art and everything you do today? That's an interesting question and not to look inside to let you know that. As far as I remember, I, I think I, I must be, uh, I go back when I was five years old, my books and my copies and the walls and my, my clothes, there was some incessant um, uh, desire to draw eyes. And for the longest time, uh, maybe till I was 15 or 16, then my books and copies were filled up with the eye. In retrospect, when I look back, perhaps I was trying to, that was the world when I was making eye, which I didn't know what art was. It was just trying to explain to my own self. It's only when I grew older and I, my parents would take me to the museums and to the, to the art galleries. And I realized that there is something about that eye that I was making. I may have been later in my life to understand it. I, I have an idea about uh, what, uh, inquiry in your own self, to search within your own self. And perhaps that is the reason I, I, I am always in a deeper inquiry to understand Gandhi and his philosophies. And that is where my art situates. My art situates in, in uh, it has a historical narrative. It also has a socio-political commentary. 
this mm. exhibition that you're referring to right now, um, uh, which is uh, which is my very recent works on uh, uh, on the title Indigo, the Blue Gold, is actually an exhibition which started in 2009. I was invited by the South Asian Institute in Chicago to reopen my 2009 works. But for me to the whole 15 years from 2009 to 223, Indigo has been a personal journey for me as well. In 2009, I talked about the role of Indigo in India's freedom struggle. And this is when Gandhi came in from South Africa and he, um, it was his first experiment of his satyagraha or a nonviolent protest against the British. And he, only through writing letters to them and not fighting the way the fighting not violence is, he could get through to the British to understand you cannot treat the farmers of Eastern India who were growing indigo plantation because of the Eurocentric need. The British needed indigo for their own dying process. And the plant which grows, gives indigo is, is, is very congenial at, uh, uh, for the, to grow in, in the Eastern India uh, region. So he fought that battle and that was his first experiment. And that was also my first serious brush with the Gandhi. And of course, various incidents happened. And uh, in my own life, like there's a very famous um, quote by Henry Beecher, which I will quote, which says, every artist dips his soul in the brush, in his own brush, and, and then creates that what he's encountered in his life. So what the, the phase after 2009 was 2611 took place in India, the Gujarat riots took place and oh, I had a close brush with them on a personal basis where I'm a mom of teenager kids and the riots are taking place and I'm like, how am I going to save my own children at that point of time? At 2611 in, in Mumbai, which took place, my husband was there in the same hotel. So the feeling of helplessness took me to deeper inquiry to understand Gandhi's philosophy of Swadharma. And what is Swadharma? Swadharma is my religion, which is my duty. So what I was questioning at that point of time was, what is my duty towards my country? I mean, I know my duty towards my children, my family, but I was raising a question, what is my duty towards my country? There is, has to be a citizen awakening. We need to form some certain groups other than what the bureaucrats or what the politicians are doing for the country. As citizens also, we have a small role to play to see the safety and, and keep congeniality uh, in, the, in, the, in the society. So that was my next show on our title, Solve the Great March. And, and then my next show again was inspired by one of Gandhi's quote, which is where today I feel that my work where I talk about Khadi, I talk about the printing process comes out of that show in a more seriousness where I, that show was on a title, the Khadi marches five meters. And that show where the, the, the story of that show came from Gandhi's quote, where he said, instead of giving three pesa, to the spinner and weavers, give them three annas. Three pesa is a smaller denominator, like you say, three pennies. And he says, give them $3. What he was trying to say to the urban viewer during the nationalist fight was support the spinner and weavers. 
and here I am an urbanite, I feel what am I doing for, for, the, for the spinner and weavers? We need the urban seven, the 30% the of the urban population in India can support the 70% of the spinner and weavers. So hence my next show was on a title, the Khadi March. Khadi is the hand spinning, hand woven fabric of our India, which has the lineage of Gandhi. Gandhi used it as a metaphor for our uh, fight against British. And all my shows, when I talk about Gandhi's philosophies, I try and bring a relevance in 21st century. I'm trying to use the idea of Khadi and Gandhi's idea of Swadharma as a, as a catalyst to the change in society. That how? So if that five meters or X amount of fabric as a duty towards my country, we just buy that fabric once a year. Look at the 30 crore urban population buying and the production demand it's great. So it's an effortless way of supporting them. It's an idea of production and the consumption. And then, of course, was my next show on Gandhi's Hinswaraj. And then, of course, uh, another show during the pandemic. I, I put all the stories of Gandhi's together of Swadharma, Sarvodaya, Swadeshi, Swavalamban, which is the very recent one, which has gone in the Parliament House. And all of these are Gandhi's philosophies, which we can look into today. And, and find a relevance for building moral and peaceful society in the 21st century. This is where my work situates. Now, this is, this is all the content, but how do I bring it out? Through art, through poetry. So there is, there is a, a textile tradition in India, which dates back to 4,500 euro. And this is a block printing resist uh, technique. And I have been using it in 2009, it's called Ajrak. The word Ajrak has roots of Arab, Arabic language called Indigo. In 2009, when I was creating a show, Indigo Narrative, in collaboration with an American artist, for me, as an Indian artist, I needed to take out the relevance of Indigo dye. And, and that dye, I started to look for those craftsmen who lived in Bhuj in Gujarat. I went to them, I learned their technique. I mean, one doesn't learn the traditional wisdom in like that short period of time, but it's taken me years and I'm still learning, but I do create a lot of art. Um, and in a way, trying to give a new look to the traditional printing technique. Now, just to give you a reference of what printing is, Printing is what you wear for the functional fabrics. But I am using that printing technique, narrating my stories of building moral and peaceful societies, where I'm talking about uh, support the spinner and weavers. I'm talking about self-quest to individuals for a better, to be a better human or to be, uh, or to bring community together. Uh, that is where my storyline is. And through that printing technique, I am narrating, it's a commentary. It's a commentary related to uh, the, so, the, the, the historical reference in relevance to today. But in the present show, in the present show where I am, the, the show which is going on right now in Chicago, I'm talking about indigo dye, which is commodified. I'm talking about that history of the indigo dye, which was commodified by the British. And once it was commodified or uh, the British had the capitalist approach towards the dye, it connected the whole world. And how it connected the whole world, it started with the indigo dye from the Eastern India, 
how the farmers were treated. Uh, I mean, I narrate that story. And, and then I talk about the exploitation of the slaves in the South Carolina, how the farmers or the who were, who had the wisdom of uh, the, the cultivation of indigo were exploited because of, um, because of the, again, British needed that indigo dye. So it was commodification of the dye without honoring the dignity of the human beings. Then how, and then I also talk about how the indentured labor from India went to the Caribbean islands. So this is the history. But then when I talk about history, I also talk about the human feelings, I've, how they were fragmented, how they were devastated. So there is a whole segment I've created in this show called the Mosaic Wall of Indigo. In that Mosaic Wall of Indigo, I've touched upon um, Andrea Fries's book called, uh, which was, I was hugely inspired by her book called The Red, White and Black Makes Blue. Imagine the red, white it, it, it is, none of these colors make blue. But what she was trying to say in her book and which I've translated as an artist is the, is the color is symbolic. The red and white is symbolic to the British. How brutal the, 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 the colonization was, how uh, the brutal that history was. So red and white signifies uh, the, the colonization because when I was researching on it, the, all the 18th century vessels and the ships had flags which had this red and white. And black and white, we all understand is, uh, is the slavery, is the is disintegration or the segregation of the white and the blacks. And of course, then I created another whole segment where I put the red, white, and black. And all of these are created with my Ajrak printing and dyeing. And it's not a brush that you use, I use blocks for it. And, and, and um, I'm very fortunate. I have these um, craftsmen who I, uh, who I, that's a different process about how I create these works. I go to Bhuj, I meet the craftsmen, tell them my story. They involve themselves as much as they understand and then begin our artwork that, you know, let's, um, uh, let's use the circle. Each block is dialogic to me. Each block that I pick up is a story that resonates in my, which is resonating in my head. I'm not just picking up any block because it looks nice. And all the blocks that I use are 300 to 400 years old. And when I say 300 to 400 years old, I mean the patterns. There are patterns which were, which were used 300, 400 years old. The blocks after certain uh, 10 years or maybe eight years, they tend to go bad because of immense usage. Uh, they can kind of get um, not to be used, but the new, pat the, the new blocks of the same pattern are created. So, and they are also a part of the exhibition. I've used them for people to understand how these blocks are used and who are the craftsmen. And this is how my storyline goes. And this is my way of um, connecting with the spinners, viewers and the craftsmen. What a journey and what an incredible story from upbringing and obviously embracing beautiful wisdom of not only from your family, but also how you uh, honored um, Gandhi's principles, uh, not only to live, but to lead with, which is beautiful. And now how those principles and everything about your culture is reflected in your arts. And I love the fact that you're using still 
your people to help you in the process also to create this beautiful dice and um, beautiful visual appealing elements that have so much, as you said, geopolitical, historical, um, emotional um, journey that, that also we as a viewers uh, can be taken on and with these subtleties, but also uh, beautiful, not only visually appealing images, but also a sense of um, how they became to light. And um, the fact that you're addressing such a complex historical issues in, 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 in such a way and also shows how can we learn and how can we um, not repeat certain events uh, to occur again. What I'm curious about, if you don't mind, obviously you mentioned who was some of your inspiration, but who was truly your biggest inspiration right now when you think about it from all the decades of your life and, and where you've been, who inspired you the most to become who you are today? I don't know what that answer would be like at this at the spot of the moment, but I've lived my life as it's coming, as I don't think so. Um, I I would always say I'm I'm going to be an artist without understanding what an artist would mean. I my my educational degrees, I'm a postgrad in English literature. And my love for poetry and my literature was very high when I was in my high school and college and university. Uh, but what led me to 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 the fashions? Then I joined my uh, uh, the fashion industry. Uh, I, I joined the National Institute of Fashion Technology, which is one of the premier institutes in India uh, for the fashions and the clothing. And I think that kind of um, uh, gave me more um, direction in my life towards aesthetics. And, and for almost 10 years, I had my own label and then I moved to being a visual artist. I've seen a lot of art. I think I get inspired by everything. And that's to be honest. And that's of course, Gandhi has been a philosophy, uh, which I feel when I went uh, in 2009 with this Champanan movement and I read and researched a lot, not only related to the movement that he was in, but I think Gandhi was the greatest artist of his life. He, may, he was nothing, he has said many times in his books that I, 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 I'm, I don't know much about art, but I feel a man who can, who can shape many people's um, lives, their thinking process, not only in their country, but outside the world. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was so honored to be invited by the Stanford University for a lecture when I heard all over the diverse cultures, people spoke so uh, inspired by Gandhi. We all know the stories of Martin Luther King and his inspiration being Gandhi. And listening to people who fought the civil rights movements in America, that how Gandhi is their inspiration, I felt he is the real artist. Mm -hmm. He is the real artist. An artist is not only who can draw. An artist could be who could, who people could be made, uh, who, who could inspire by words. I mean, I, I was so inspired in my college by William Blake's. Will, why William Blake? Because his poetry and art inspired me a whole lot when I was growing up. And perhaps that's the reason um, my, my artwork, my exhibitions always have poetry. One, I, all, I started to write poetry very early in my life, but 
for me to put poetry uh, as a kind of a narration of what I'm thinking, it makes a whole lot of sense to me. And many people have told me, your poetry uh, makes more sense to us than your content. Well, and that is when I look into what I'm saying, uh, maybe I'm so touched by the subject, by uh, the sub that the content I'm talk talking about, Swadharma, Sarbodha, and all that his philosophies was, it comes naturally for me to express in a poetic form. And, and then it goes on, it's, it's just a journey. I don't know I, I, I ever can really look back. Uh, uh, I'm kind of inspired with everybody. Today I'm inspired by you. Let's say that, <laughs> really, it is true. That is so beautiful. I, I share the same sentiment that we can find inspiration and opportunity to learn and grow from everybody we encounter, right? And it's yes. lifelong learning and journey. Exactly. But I also love that foundation from Gandhi because uh, in contrast, even though I grew up in Europe, uh, that foundation was laid out for me since early age. And I just wanted to say I'm being so fascinated um, and continue to be. And at the same time, I see um, this tremendous desire that I see in you, how you leveraging so much your creativity and expression verbally through poetry, through your writings, through your art, through your designs, to uh, create a beautiful tapestry um, uh, and engage the world in, in such a great way. So I'm curious, um, what is one of your favorite pieces of art specifically that you have in this current exhibit in Chicago and what is the meaning behind it? Well, um, for an artist, um, each piece of art is like each baby you deliver. So for, a, for to ask a mom, which is your favorite piece is always very difficult. Mm -hmm. But what is coming out out of the whole show is the mosaic wall of um, Indigo One. So this exhibition has six sections. Since I mentioned, it is so much of interweaving of history, the craft, the traditions, this exhibition, the indigo as the narrative of commodification of indigo dye. There's so much of interweaving of the content. So I thought, me and the curator thought of uh, segregating sections out of it. So one of the section is the Eastern, the farmers of Eastern India and Gandhi's influence. The second segment is just trade and migration. In the trade of migration, I, which uh, uh, the curator calls it as a mid-career retrospective. So she pulled out one of my works from 2018 show where fishes were my metaphor to explain uh, collective consciousness. When mm -hmm. millions and trillions of fishes school together in water, they can bring turbulence in water. If they bring turbulence in water, I thought to myself, if they can bring the fishes bring turbulence in water, if people who like-minded, who understand their duty towards your country or duty towards your own self to bring the community together, if those people club together, they can bring a social movement. You don't need to go uh, get people. So fishes, the clubbing of the school of fishes became my metaphor. So this one big mural, which is 20 feet long, 
is a part of this exhibition, which I feel is, is, is sitting in the segment of trade and migration. And then I created another smaller piece where I just made out of resist dye. That is a technique which is different for people who, who can look at that artwork is just the ship, the, the indigo dye and the resist dye. So it's a technique which is unique and, and, and there's a lot of brush which is used in, in the resist painting. Technically, you cannot use a brush because resist is as thick as a gum, a gum paste. So you cannot use a brush and get that beautiful line out of it. The, 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 the beauty of the harmony of the line. So I use that to create it and it, it, it's come out to me. I'm very satisfied with that piece. And perhaps that could be one of the piece I said, uh, your question is, which is your favorite piece? So that is one of the piece. There's another um, uh, uh, site specific installation in the same segment where there are about 40 sales I've created. And, and that sail is metaphor to the, the sails which were moving around the oceans to reach, to find out where indigo could be commodified, could be brought in, whether it's Africa or India or Europe or uh, South Carolina. So the ships became my, met, the sails became my metaphor as the British were trying to search the whole world. So there's a very famous book, In Search of a Color that Connected the World. So when I was reading that book for my research, and I thought that this particular installation is also my 2016 show, 2013 show, sorry, that was Salt the Great March. And, and the curator was very keen to bring these sales here in Chicago because she felt this is a great message of my trade and migration. Here I'm showing the fishes migrating. Here I'm showing the ships in search on a title, In Search of a Color That Seduced the World. This is a book by uh, Barbara, and I may not give you the right name, and, and I don't want to give the wrong name, but um, there is an author for this book. Mm. So what? that is another segment. Then after narrating the history, I also wanted to show in this exhibition, what is the contemporary relevance of, of the indigo dye today? I mean, we've spoken about the histories. So I created about 10, uh, 10 uh, um, uh, kaftans. Kaftan is a kind of a style, a silhouette, which is coming from Mid-Eastern countries. It's a straight block, but on that I used those printing technique. And I, and I, these are artworks on the wall. They are not for commercial purpose. This is for people to know that this is this is where contemporary relevance lies, like the blue jeans lie. So anybody who wears a, after looking at this show, what I was trying also to give a message was after looking at the blue jeans, when what people wear, and they should understand that is the history of indigo. The history is the blue, the indigo. But today the blue is done by the chemical dyes. In 1894, the chemical dyes had already come in India. So the natural dyes died its own death. So the, the, the growth of indigo through plantation almost was vanished out of the whole world scene because the chemical dyes took over, they were much cheaper and people were using for clothing purposes. So here I am, I was also trying to say in that segment of fashion and textile that, you know, when you are wearing those blue jeans, be mindful 
of, of supporting those people who are still growing indigo and how chemical dyes are spoiling our environment. It's just being mindful. It is just being a, an individual action. It is just an understanding of individual um, duty towards, towards the planet. Do we need to use so much of chemical dyes? And if there is no choice, let's not use more, let's use less. So these were some thoughts which I'm just sharing with you when I was creating this, the contemporary relevance of the indigo today in this exhibition. Such a powerful, again, knowledge message and such important to raise our consciousness on our consumption and what part do we play with everything that is going on in the world, which brings really excellent points. Uh, you already obviously had so many exhibits and so many ways to impact future generations, younger um, men and women that are still deciding for what's important to them and where they want to be and who they want to be and how they want to impact the world. So what will be your message for everybody watching and listening to Legacy Leader Show that are getting chance to hear from you directly, either in India and outside of India, what would you say um, as a message to them? That's a difficult question because I'm nobody to give any, any, any message of that kind. Just be mindful of what you're doing. That's the, that's a fundamental. Just be mindful if you understood the history of Mindigo and if you understood uh, the history of uh, of production and consumption towards our, our um, uh, of supporting our, far, our, our uh, spinner and weavers, support them. If you feel, if you feel strong, it's, it's an individual understanding. By looking at the show, you need, everybody needs to be mindful. Like uh, I may have, I may have uh, created a lot of ships as metaphors in this show with embroidery and uh, uh, zardozi and all that stuff beyond the printing technique. But at the back of my mind, it, it has always been, what is the relevance of Indigo today? So the, the answer to this is only being mindful of the present, how we can support each other. This is another philosophy of Gandhi, which says Sarvode. Sarvode means support others, bring everybody along, not only helping yourself, help others also along with you as you're moving on in your life. So, yeah, it's an individual mindfulness, I would, I would say. Be, be mindful of what you're doing and what your actions would take you to um, sometimes on. And if I start understanding that and you start and 10 more and 20 more and 50 more, so there is a change in society. Yes. There's and a change in society. You know, it's what, what is called as reformation of the society. Absolutely. And that's what we need more than ever opportunity to hear from wise voices like yourself with so much experience with very global perspective, but also understanding very well your upbringing and your culture and how do we preserve and respect other cultures and how do we also shape the world that it's going to make tremendous impact, because we can only do that if we do it yeah. together. Um, you obviously, Shelly, are living your legacy already. You're leading with your legacy. And you have so many beautiful pieces and so much uh, wealth of, that you are already leaving 
to so many uh, to impact for generations to come. But with all accumulated wisdom and experience, I'm curious now at this chapter in your life, what would your legacy, what would you like for your legacy to be? And what you would like to be known and remembered for? That's another difficult question. There's no legacy perhaps I can leave people. Everybody gets passionate about at any point in time. These are different dots in life, in each one's life. So be passionate about what you're doing. And, and I, I guess we, we, would, uh, uh, we would find, they would all find their uh, calling at any point in life if you're passionate about doing what you're doing. Um, what I would like to be remembered by is definitely my art, my art, um, which, um, which I worked hard on conveying certain messages and uh, Gandhi's messages, which, um, uh, which he, if I can take it forward, if I can take those messages forward through my art, that would be my legacy. Mm, that is so beautiful and so fulfilling. And you're already doing that. And for everybody watching and listening, you that you're in Chicago, will be in Chicago. I will highly recommend to check, take a look, take an opportunity to see Shelley's exhibit in South Asian uh, Gallery. I will share the link to that, but and also other parts of the world. And Shelley, uh, with everybody watching and listening, where they can find additional information about you, where would you like them to go and be able not only to educate and also immerse themselves in the beauty of your work, but also to have opportunity to learn and connect with you as an artist. I would love to connect people. I, I, I love meeting people and it's always a great learning meeting people. And if they have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. I have a website, which is shellyjyoti.com and a lot of my art is there. And um, um, I, they can find me on, uh, on internet and then connect with me anytime. I'd be happy to answer all their questions and connect with them. That's fantastic. That's a joy. <laughs> yes. And um, for opportunities also, I just wanted to say in closing, if you could just give advice for younger version yourself or all of those artists or people that want to immerse, but they're on the fence uh, with their art or they don't feel like maybe they're good enough or just people that are also writing the poetry, but they're uh, uh, not willing yet to maybe share their work with, uh, with the world or something is holding them back. What would be some words of wisdom uh, for them? Because I know very well that so many people Locking to some of the most beautiful parts of their knowledge, wisdom within themselves. And someone like yourself who experiment, who brought so much to the world and, and joy to the world and collaborate with others. What would you give them as, as an opportunity to do one thing to can move everything in their life forward? I think follow your passionate heart. Follow your passionate heart. The heart tells you everything. And, and, and those are the dots which you keep, keep going on and not holding back whether you're right or wrong. Just express yourself. Just express yourself, I would say. 
That is beautiful. Be, be it poetry, be it art, whatever is, uh, is coming straight from the heart is always, to my mind, purest form of expression. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.